We're June 22nd, 2020. It's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 625. His life got flipped, turned right side up. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are like generation upon generation upon generation of neglectful patriarchs getting their comeuppance <laughs> through the medium of, of melody and verse. I'm Matt Rather. I am here. Uh, the, the, I'm Matt Rather, the non-father on the pod. The, 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 I, I am the dog father, but then so are you, Mark, uh, on the podcast. I'm here with my good friends pete fenzel hello pete hey matt and mark lee hello mark hello matthew you know as we record this so we, we don't release it until until uh the monday after the sunday that we record this as we record this the united states is celebrating uh united states is celebrating father's day which is a uh a um a holiday where I, I i gather it has something to do with with posting on instagram uh and the uh you know people put a lot of it's about it's about sublimating tensions in male relationships through food and ties and passive aggressive discourse i do you know it, it's an interesting it's an interesting <laughs> thing like um you know, there are wonderful paternal relationships and there are fathers who are absent or where the relationship is troubled or, you know, uh, and so it, the kind of the, the like performance of gratitude, you know, and the kind of the representation, um, of gratitude, well, you know, gratitude, gratitude is great. It does, it does sort of, uh, it is, it is a violent act of erasure. And if you love your family, um, I'm offended by you. So let's get going, guys, about the, uh, <laughs> let's get going about, um, <laughs> about, uh, what we wanted to do was talk a little bit about, I think Mark pointed out, uh, as we were prepping for this, that we mentioned Cats in the Cradle <laughs> a week ago or we had two weeks ago, something, uh, it came up and that actually the, uh, uh, the topic of father-related songs might be, uh, which I suppose is, is pr- protest songs by another by another name, right? Uh, these father-related songs might be uh, uh, an interesting and fruitful topic for us to delve into this Father's Day. So let's uh, let's dive in. And my you know my sarcastic intro, notwithstanding, Pete, it is wonderful to have you here on your first podcast uh, on your first Father's Day. Uh, far from your first podcast. <laughs> Podcast. Never done this before, <laughs> <laughs> but, but never had a Father's Day before, and it is uh, it is an honor that you're taking a little time out of it, uh, you know, to uh, talk with us. Well, sure, of course, definitely. I mean, the little guy is uh, going to sleep right now, so at least hopefully. So, uh, right we, now, for now, yes, exactly. This is that this is that brief moment of respite that ends at the end of Leno's monologue, right? In that notional land of parents having time to themselves, uh, which I don't think it really exists. Sort of like a sort of Shangri La situation, but um, but yeah. Yeah, so we have a moment, so let's use it. <laughs> Good, yeah, absolutely. The the I, one kind of uh, one kind of thing I've I've uh, heard from parents, old and new, is that like being a parent made them productive in ways that they had had never imagined that they could possibly be. Because when you only have you know seven and a half minutes to pay a month's worth of bills, uh, feed yourself some like Stouffer's microwave pizza, and uh, I don't know what's uh, and empty the dishwasher. 
there with your free hand, uh, you actually find reserves of productivity within yourself. So let's get a podcast out in this in this short time, <laughs> this tiny window, uh, this tiny window of time you have. So we're gonna uh, post a Spotify playlist of all the songs, um, all the songs that we talk about. And I, I guess, um, uh, I guess, like, there's only one place to start, and it's right here. Bow, 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 bow. Is with Harry Chapin's uh, Cat's Cradle, and that the, you know the sort of absent the the prototype, I guess, of the the absent father song. Now, I made it about ten seconds into it uh, before, I, and I was walking the dog at the time before, like uh, collapsing in a puddle of like sobs that like just kept for the, the remainder of my dog walk. It was very, it's very interesting to, in a way to kind of present out in public. And fortunately I had sunglasses and a COVID mask on <laughs> in order to, to shield, but uh, definitely, definitely got the feels from uh, Harry Chapin guys. Was this on your syllabus uh, at, for your own review of uh father's day related tunes and uh how did you react to it and think about it when you um when you heard it pete let me throw to you first sure so this was i was surprised by how strange this song felt to me and i don't know whether it's what the i don't know what the origin and the and the core of that strangeness is i know how it manifests which is the the father in the song so so Harry so Harry Chapin right okay so so to unpack the song a little bit um, Harry Chapin is describing a father right who uh, is 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 not present he's in, on, away on business right or what have you when as the child is growing up and misses a whole bunch of opportunities to share time with the child and then once he's older he wants the child who is now an adult to spend time with him and the child refuses because he has taken on the father's behaviors right the father's the father's kind of uh alienating sins have become manifest because of course there's only three ways to lead example example and example right uh he grew up just like the father and the father is kind of horrified now I wonder in listening to it and and reading the lyrics here uh, whether it's really best interpreted from the standpoint of Harry Chapin really being the father or whether this is a fictionalized notion of what a neglectful father might be like from the perspective of the son. Uh, Because, well, because the strange thing about it is the first stanza, which goes, my child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away and he was talking before I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, dad. You know, I'm going to be like you. And first of all, that's a very sophisticated sentiment to come from a small child. Right. It's a long sentence. (laughs) Right. Um, So it's like, is that really what the child said? And and the whole thing kind of flashes by in a long streak of a period of time that takes, you know, the better part of a year or two. And so I wonder uh, I wonder kind of like whether we're dealing with kind of the truncated, uh, you know, the sort of filling in the filling in the blanks before you're able to form permanent memories. But also just the, the, the dismissiveness about the birth of the child felt very strange to me. The idea that it's the usual way. Right. That that this sort of thing happens a lot. And there's nothing different about it. And that there were planes to catch and bills to pay is like very cavalier about not being there. And even a father with actively ill intentions, I think, 
would rationalize or justify himself to a slightly greater degree than that, right? Like, you know, I have, I was, I, I wanted to be there, but I couldn't, right? Or like, oh, you know, it just there was just so many important things for me to do. Um, but the sort of way that the father endeavors upon explaining his behavior from the get go as this sort of really hyperbolic neglect, it seems to me. But also, maybe it's just that my experience is so foreign to that idea that I just don't get it. Like. At this point, I've been very lucky to have eight weeks of parental leave, which actually ends tonight. I have to go back to work tomorrow. Um, and it's been a really wonderful time to bond with my with my son. And I wonder I, I wonder what it must have been like to not have been around because it was normal for you to be at work rather than home. I mean, you, also, you watched Mad yeah. Men. What's up? You watched Mad Men. I mean, I did. Yeah, I guess it was that was nonfiction, right? <laughs> it was a documentary in the events well, were going in real time. Um, even in, but, even, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, let me try to explain some of the. You're talking about like this, like very strange sense of separation, right, between uh, the person delivering the material and like um, the character of the father in here and how he's describing being a father. Um, yes, yes. That kind of nutshell. So uh, I know that the author is dead and everything, but I did do the research um, about sort of the origins of the song. It is it is pretty telling. I think so. Harry Chapin's wife wrote the lyrics to this as a poem, and it was about um, her ex-husband's relationship with his father, who was away a lot. Wow. Yeah. So there are a lot of degrees removed from that. But anyway, so like, you know, these lyrics land in Harry Chapin and then, you know, he has just become a father. And that is all the context into what's going on here. Does that help? That helps a lot because that because those milestones that are here had to have been observed by someone in order for them to register. And they can't have been observed by the child because the child wouldn't remember it. And so the idea that they were observed by the mom really I would love to see the song rewritten from the perspective of the mom, Uh, like like as in overtly from the perspective of the mom. I'm sure maybe somebody has done that out there, but that's really interesting. And the idea that also this is. This is the sort of bad behavior of another person, but that also manifests as my own anxiety and sadness about what might happen to me, either as a child or as a father. That is really interesting. But I, I think there are, there are a couple of things here, right? One is that there's there's sort of a double lens perspective uh, that's going on in this song. One is the chronological um narrative of like the milestones that the child goes through and they're 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 meant to be paradigmatic like it's it is a kind of it's a folk song you know and so it has like the technique that it uses is these sort of generalities and i think that that like you know um like uh like as though it's like composed of home truths you know as though it's like as though it were a like a a a well-sanded rock that you found on the beach rather than something that was like constructed by the hand of man or or uh of woman as as it happens um right so the the uh, the like oh the usual way um i think is that like you know that that kind of tendency towards kind of generality or tendency towards not exactly bombast i'm trying to like calibrate the the choice of word here but the the you know of kind of general truth of kind of 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 wisdom uh sharing right but then the other thing is the double lens perspective right because one it, it it's told from the point of view of the father as an old man you know and he's looking back and re-narrating his failures as a father from 
you know, from the the birth of his child. And so, like, I think maybe the fact that it's looking back uh, accounts for some of the foreshortening of time where, like, eight or nine years appear to elapse in the first verse, because uh, in the second verse, the kid is 10 and getting getting a ball. And then also the kind of the, oh, there were planes to catch and, and bills to pay, which is either a kind of, you know, a, a kind of self-justification from a point of view where the kind of the sharpness of, you know, that absence is, it has faded into distant memory or else is a kind of self-castigation, right? Where the triviality of the excuse you know, mm. is meant to is meant to kind of throw into relief, like how uh, how brutal the abandonment was, or how you know profound um, the the sort of neglect was, right? Like uh, that, and and the idea, the claim that sort of this is the usual way, right? Is like I joke about Mad Men, but like it, it is sort of like an indictment of a generation, like the idea that hey, this is the usual way. You know, this is the the relationship that our you know our culture is capable of sort of withstanding with with fathers and and um, you know and stuff like that. And and I also I just I wonder right because there's nothing the 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 great thing to me about this song is there's, there's nothing that specifically bad <laughs> it, yeah. right it's like and then like you know and then i beat my i i you know i beat him with a, my belt you know, that doesn't that doesn't happen, right? And right. like in 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 this song, anyway, yeah. it happens in, in, other, in, in other the world. Songs we like, might get to that, yeah, sure. But that like that this song is not is not about that. It's not about a kind of a kind of malevolent abuse. It's about uh, it's about a neglect that like uh, every every single micro instance of it might seem justifiable at the time because of some of any number of pressures uh you know that were on the father but when it adds up you know you know all in all you're just another brick in the wall right like as it adds up the kind of the brick wall of of neglect is built where the like um you know the the i was sort of thinking i was thinking about kind of moments of recognition you know like and and thinking about uh parenting and children and stuff like that as as we had you know as as we had gone and like the the some of the the wisest parents i know sort of describe their um their uh parenting as kind of getting to know the person their child emerged as, you know, and trying to like evacuate their own kind of assumptions and projections and stuff like that. And like trying to like encounter this being and like, and guide and shape and, you know, not, you know, uh, not neglect and like care for and do all the, you know, and teach and do all the, the good stuff, but like, um, but also like hold a little bit, uh, hold, hold a little bit, uh, of, hold a little bit in reserve their own ideas of, of what the kid should be. And like, I I was thinking of like, well, you know, the, the kid never gets really seen, you know, never gets really known by the father. And, and, and yet in, in the end, the, the, you know, the kind of the twist of the knife is like, Oh, like I, I know him, I know him all, all too well. And I guess the kind of the ironic twist is that the, the neglect is visited back on the father when, 
he finally, you know, uh, uh, deigns to uh, admit that he would like to have a relationship, uh, a relationship with his son. I, I feel like that that hindsight perspective is important to an understanding of the song rather than rather than thinking of it as rather than thinking of the the narrative as a kind of journal entry where they're like contemporaneous accounts of what happened at any given time. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying, definitely. Laying it laying it down. <laughs> it is fun how the the nursery rhyme examples are symbolic too, right? The little boy blue and the man on the moon, the distant man and the and the kid who's who is under the sky. Um what is what is when I think of cats in the cradle, I just think of the horrific situation of the uh um Kurt Vonnegut book. But what is the cat in the cradle actually about? It is um uh, yeah, I don't, it's a I don't know. String rhyme, right? It is. Yeah, it's a, I know it is like the string game where you make kind of different designs and configurations with the string passing it between two people and kind of manipulating it with your fingers, right? Right. Is there a narrative associated with it? Uh, not that I'm, I'm like Wikipedia it frantically. I, I, yeah, I, I think it's 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 meant to evoke just childish games, um, but also, of course, like specifically the cradle. Um, like this idea, I don't think, I don't think we're meant to interpret the cat as the sun being in the cradle, mm. like, like in, in, in a crib in, in a sleeping space for, for a young child. That's not how I've always in, interpreted it. It's more just kind of like, you know, kid stuff, um, uh, you know, silver spoon, nursery rhyme, little boy, nursery rhyme, and then man in the moon, like, oh, all this, like, you know, uh, distance. Right, right, right. Interesting. Yeah, it is, um, it is, and then, but then the sad. interesting turn. While we're talking about the chorus, the next interesting turn is um, it switches perspective to the to the to the sun, right? When are you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know, we'll have a good time then. Yeah. Um, that I think it, it owes a, a lot to like the poignancy and the, and the and the power of the song, how it switches and uh, forces you to consider these different perspectives. And the son offers the kind of detailed rationalization that the father doesn't, because the father is looking back in sort of rose-colored memory at these moments and and the landing of that final insult not insult but that final realization of what's happened is is rendered in more specificity so yeah i'm, I'm on board with with your reading that of of the sort of folk song dimension of this but the, so uh, according to uh according to uh english.stackexchange.com um it just took me a second to to google uh the the uh, Phrase may originally refer to an old wives' tale uh, about the um, sort of untrue superstition that a cat in the cradle would like suck the breath out of the baby and be dangerous to the baby. Um, so the baby is is you know left unattended, right? Is like the the uh, is neglected ah. if the if the cat's in the cradle, um, mm. and that like. Uh, you know, but that's that's just that's just some internet people. So it's I I would bet that that is uh, apocryphal. Um, you know, and the silver spoon is just all the cocaine that they were doing on the road while they were performing the song, right? <laughs> Harry Chapin, I don't know. Harry Chapin is an interesting guy, and and did a. a there's a lot of uh, Harry Chapin has a good. Uh, good discography and and you know is probably worth an episode at at some time um 
Actually, you know, a good living uh, Harry Chapin was killed in a in a truck crash at 38. Uh, but he, um, a really good living interpreter of Harry Chapin songs, who sings Harry Chapin a lot at a lot of concerts live, is Mandy Patinkin. Uh, real, real devotee of uh, Harry Chapin and um, performs his songs a lot. Uh, I thought you were going to say Ugly Kid Joe. <laughs> metal band that uh, did a, a a a cover of this song that actually became a pretty modest, a pretty significant hit. Uh, we'll get together then, Dad. <laughs> But it's the, actually like more of like a Airsats Axl Rose like, and you can't see the queen let seal the spoon. It's pretty horrible. But um, the, the like it's actually like like underlining it like that is is wrong, right? Is the wrong choice in in performing the song. Like I think that the the kind of the understated vocal that is on the the version that Harry Chapin originally recorded. And guys, when you listen back to this, were you just stunned by all the orchestral uh stuff that used to be in yeah. pop music? Like Watch. it's so so theatrical. It's so bombastic. And I like Cinematic I really is the word yeah, that that came, to me. that came to you. Yeah, I was thinking theatrical. Yeah, exactly. And that like but it's so unafraid to like to kind of risk being camp, you know by just being something you know i i i don't know i just uh, like i like the I, say what you will about the the merits of billy eilish and there there are many um you know and and uh her genius is probably something that i i have no hope of ever touching or or approximating in my life but i do get a little tired of the like the very tired you know the kind of the fatigued sound in popular music and just to have the goddamn uh orchestra doing these hits and doing these like uh super emotional you know things is i i don't know i appreciate the i appreciate the audacity of it you know i appreciate like the 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 willingness to be a little bombastic or to risk being bombastic uh and and sort of living large um and in charge i i shouldn't have dragged billy eilish into it i i apologize no. to billy and i apologize he's to all of her fans he's the only contemporary artist who can be representative right of of the time period well no i just but just that like who has uh, Right, like in Bad Guy in specific, which is like the one Billie Eilish song I know well. It it has this just very subdued vibe, uh, and like, and you know what I want to do? I want to do the orchestral remix of that song where we put in like bring, bring, bring of the harps and like tubular bells, bong, 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 and the. Uh, you know the the strings the horns pa, 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 pa. you know the 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 horn section right like double reeds <laughs> anyway i'm sorry i'll stop well well speaking of unafraid confrontation with all the full capabilities of an orchestra do you want to talk about papa was a rolling stone by the temptations <laughs> yeah, sure like, go for it just the intro to that song is just epic af as it were right it's just the the funk guitar the the balance in the mixing of keeping the trumpet down below the like soft strumming of the funk guitar is uh is just wonderful and, and i mean i don't know how much of that is the, the skill of the trumpeter but i do have to think the sound technician has something to do with it uh but but the bill to that i mean mark you're a big motown fan right was this a song that really stuck out for you in the uh in the conversations about father songs oh yeah i mean this song is is easily as much if not more so about 
the instrumentation and arrangement and like just kind of the psychedelic vibe that it gives us as it is about the lyrics themselves. Um, so yeah, this is a very late Temptations hit. I think this was the last uh, big hit of their career. This was in the early 70s. And this is when, you know, the, the, the Motown um, uh, of the late of the, of the 60s, that hit machine had morphed into something else. We talked about what's, go- um, uh, what's going on album released in 71, I believe. And then around this time, Motown was moving to L.A. And the whole thing just kind of... Um, it, it, it like as the as the 60s became the 70s right as we as we always say right as mad men uh descended into the warriors <laughs> like so <laughs> went the kind of the motown ethos and it became something like more mysterious and darker um but this is a true masterpiece of a song it's like seven minutes also which is just crazy um you know as opposed to like the, the sweet little three minutes hey mr postman that that motown started out with um, this is something very, very, very different from it. Mm-hmm. Um, just also, we're talking about the music. It's also notable that, like, you know, the Temptations, went to the, the the five of them, all with very different vocal timbre and ranges. Like, I believe each get to s- showcase themselves um, and and help tell the story of like a very, very, very terrible dad. Right, so, and this this is a different subgenre of popular songs about fathers. Of which there seem to be some clusters around specific sorts of themes, rather than a really broad variety of, of specifics, uh, as as we go through at least our memories on it. So, if if Cats in the Cradle is the recounting of the flaws of a known father, right? This belongs to the subcategory of the kind of yearning for the knowing of an unknown father, right? And, and it's able to it's it's able to incorporate several pieces of information that the singer the singer in this case is the son uh or in this case the chorus of sons who were all born of the same father and and blend seamlessly in harmony uh as one of the greatest uh, group vocal acts of all time but uh but enough about the jackson five um, <laughs> but no this is the temptations um yeah and the lyrics are along the lines of what like uh um, is it true what they say that Papa never worked a day in his life and Mama some bad talk going around town saying that Papa had three outside children and another wife and that ain't right? Heard them talking about Papa doing some storefront preaching, talked about saving souls and all the time leeching, dealing in debt and stealing in the name of the Lord. And and, and Mama hung her head and said Papa was a rolling stone. Wherever he laid his hat was his home. Um, and, and, there, and when he died, he left us all alone. Papa was a Rolling Stone, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, yeah. and before we go over that, I want to just like uh, not miss the the beauty of that particular last lyric that you mentioned. And when he died, all he left us was alone. Mm. That's just that's that's just such a wonderful turn of phrase there. Yeah. Um. That uh. That that in and of itself is is really just kind of meditating on for hot like session. like wait from the bank or. <laughs> Yes, it's funny yes. you mentioned that. Some some like terrible lyrics translation ter- transcription of this uh, had it spelled as A L O A N. It's like they inherited the debts of their absentee father. But no, 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 A L O N E. He left us. All he left us was alone. Well, if if it's a you know if if what you do is inherit the debts of your absentee father, then it's not unlike the human condition in that respect. <laughs> I mean, it is it is interesting, though, right, because in this case, the son is trying to pin details from experience onto the vacant notion of this father figure. And, and the mom is correcting him by saying that, that none of these matter because the main truth of the man is his sad absence. 
right? But it's also his nature, right? And, and the idea that his nature isn't necessarily presented as a as a bad thing, right? Um, I mean, the old uh, the the what the Rolling Stone gathers no moss and all that, right? Is like I mean, it's 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 bad, um, but it's not it's not like damnation, right? No, yeah, like, that's that's I think the interesting thing. One of the things I was interested in in this song is that like is the difference in perspective between the verse sung by the child and the. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the kind of the perspective of the mother, which is sort of world weary. And, you know, maybe you can imagine her like looking back with regret at some of her own decisions. Right. And that like, but that like the, the, they're they're having different they're having different uh a different kind of discourse strength they're having they're having different arguments they're they're sort of internal objects that they're like negotiating with are are different here like the the uh child is dealing with like idealization and identification right that like you know i'm gonna be like you dad right and so that that um the the child is trying to like find out about himself uh by figuring out uh figuring things out about the dad like i i never got a chance to see him never heard nothing but bad things um about him like uh and and then so like hey is it true what they say all of those things i i hear papa called himself a jack of all trades is it uh you know so the the child is sort of seeking information and it's like wait i've i've been hearing some talk around the you know around my friends around the schoolyard whatever like i've been hearing uh these rumors and things and is like trying to make uh is trying to make sense of these uh things and yeah i i think you're you know i think that you're you're right uh Pete and like like all these things are true, but they are not the truth, you know. And that that like that perspective between the the kind of the the eagerness, the kind of the sad eagerness of the of the child to make sense of you know who am I, where did I come from, what is uh, like what you know what what does it mean to be me, what am I like, you know. Um, and who do I belong to? You know, that sort of stuff. And, and the mother's kind of sighing, hanging her head, a good, de- you know, good little characterization and detail, uh, and saying, you know, look, like the things that you know, <laughs> you know some things about the world, but you don't yet know the important things <laughs> about the world. Um, and, and that that like, uh, is, uh, it creates like a great poignancy and great sort of irony in this, in this song for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would add that, uh, you know, this, this, this to the questions that you proposed earlier, right? You know, where did I come from? Um, how does it inform who I am right now? This song doesn't really offer answers. Um, it just kind of like presents this continuum of, uh, things that the father alleged to have done, and then this reiteration that Papa was a Rolling Stone. Um, he, he, you know, he, it, it does, you know, speak to his death, but you know, this Rolling Stone, the key word there being rolling. And I would add that, like the the song musically, really enforces that with that um, repeating bass line, like do doom, 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 and then kind of just like you hear that over and over and over again, and like unlike a lot of the earlier Motown sound where it has these, you know, lush sense of harmony and, and, and chords that just propelled the song and, and drove it to a place and had these wonderful uh, resolutions. Just uh, to throw one of many examples out there, ain't no mountain high enough, right? You know, those, those uh, chords, you know, just the song really takes you somewhere. This is just kind of like, here we are. And this is it. Do, 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 
doom, 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 over and over and over again. Pete, where do you want? Where do you want to go? Uh, well, I want next. to briefly touch. I want to. I want there to be at least a, a bit of spread and genre on the Spotify playlist we're talking about. Because <laughs> otherwise, we're just gonna have three songs on it because we have so much to say about each of them. I want to throw the the uh, semi popular. I think it was popular. Nineties uh, grungy, but not quite grunge rock song, "Father of Mine" by Everclear onto the pile as a somewhat less virtuosic but similar sort of song uh, as somewhat is an exaggeration. It is a, I mean, the Papa was a Rolling Stone is like a sort of Titanic work, uh, both in, in its length as well as its kind of uh, resonance. But this is, this is another example of that subgenre, right? You know, father of mine, where have you been? You know, I closed my eyes, my world disappeared. Take me back to the day when I was still your golden boy before you went away. Uh, and in this song, um, the, the ever clear singer, as it were, uh, recounts specific things that he can remember. But it's a similar sort of situation where he's trying to put his father back together in order to determine uh, the answer to some questions that are ostensibly about himself. Um, and, and it's like he's trying to understand who the father was. And the additional context is, you know, that uh, that he has become this person that his father, you know, my daddy gave me a name, then he walked away. Daddy gave me a name, then he walked away. Right? I, I, I have this part of myself that is the recreation of my father, but I didn't know him because he's gone, and now I don't know who I am. And so the question is sort of this question out to this figure that is kind of absent, right? And there's a lot. I think there's a lot of songs like this of so the sort of mysterious the father who's not around. Um, you know, Pearl Jam has a bunch right, where it's like uh, like like alive. We've talked about before um, a daughter to an extent, um, but it, where it's sort of like the relation. The parent is a mysterious figure who engendered some sort of base information. The child is trying to extrapolate some meaning out of, uh, but it's not enough. And there's no substitute for the absent person. Um, but I mean, we can also take it take a turn. And I want to say, like, okay, well, why, right? I, I want to. I feel like these songs up until this point pose a question, uh, and I want to throw in a song that presents an answer uh, to that question, which is the song "Just the Two of Us" by Will Smith. If you guys are familiar with that one, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. No, yeah. What? I, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, please educate me. Are you serious? You don't know this song? Just the two of us, we can make it if we try. Just me and you. Just me and you. So this is a song that Will Smith wrote about the birth of his son, Jaden, I believe. Uh, right. Whom we all know as he of the how do we know if things are real, if our eyes aren't real. And, and he of the Karate Kid remake and such. But but the lyrics to the first verse, it's a classic Will Smith rap in the sense that it describes a real life experience in a narrative way and doesn't you know rely on kind of obscenity and, and is pretty bright. Would you and say I mean, would you say that it's the story all about how his life got flipped, turned upside down? One would think so. But maybe it's the way his life got flipped, turned right side up. Uh, is kind of, I think, what this song is about. Um, for the first time, the doctor placed you in my arms. I knew I'd meet death before I'd let you meet harm. Although questions arose in my mind, would I be man enough against wrong, choose right, and be standing up? From the hospital that first night, took an hour just to get the car seat right. People driving all fast got me kind of upset, got you home safe, placed you in your bassinet. 
I wonder if that's one of the only times that bassinet appears in a in a party rap song. Uh, that night, I don't think I I don't think one wink I slept as I slipped out of my bed to your crib. I crept, touched your head gently, felt my heart melt because I know I loved you more than life itself. Then to my knees and I begged the Lord, please let me be a good daddy. All he needs, love, knowledge, discipline. I pledge my life to you. Uh, and it's just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Uh, and then it goes on like many of these songs and it elides. It skips five years. Right. Every time I look at you, I think a man, a little me, just like me. Wait and see. Going to be tall makes me laugh because you got dad's ears and all. And uh, and then he speculates about what the kid is going to grow up to be. And I won't go and quote the rest of the song, but I think one of the things seeing seeing this, this feels very authentic. Right. Like this Will Smith describing his anxiety at putting the baby in the car seat after leaving the hospital is like the most true to life expression, you know, example of anything that I've seen in any of the songs that we've been reviewing in terms of it being like a crystalline specific moment that stands out as something that is from this experience of the father who in many of these songs is absent. Right. And 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 so what we're kind of seeing here, I think, is uh, the phenomenon that we, we know that Will Smith is not a single father. I think that's one of the important pieces of context for this song. We know he he has Jada Pinkett Smith right with him. Um, he, in fact, also know that he has additional children at this point. So what does it mean for him to say just the two of us? Right. He clearly like it wasn't just him alone at the hospital. Like someone had to give birth to this baby. Right. Who is absent from the song. Um, and, and I mean, you could you could, I think, leap to a conclusion that that's kind of uh, has a sort of chauvinistic root. But I would disagree uh, based on experience that that the relation that when you're dealing with a baby. Right. And bonding with a baby, the baby especially if they look like you, is able to mirror things back to you, but isn't really able to fully communicate, right? And the process of kind of bonding with a baby is this sort of feels like this process of kind of presenting questions and speculation and kind of like looking at the way the baby kind of serves as a mirror for you, right? And looking in your face. And this is kind of how the connection and attachment, you know, kind of happens. Um, And I'm not saying, of course, that you can't also do this with adopted children as well, but, uh, but I think that like very, very early with the baby, connecting with a baby like that has it can have a very powerful psychological effect on somebody. Um, and the notion that the father invents a whole relationship with this being who can't really think or talk. Right. Like, like the baby can't really participate in this relationship. And really what that makes it is like very private. Right. It's the, it's that the, it's that the father. I mean, the baby does provide like some engagement and some feedback and 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 really soon the baby starts kind of taking on more characteristics uh well before five years that kind of mirror back to the father that the baby's paying attention at the very least um or to the mother or to any other parent right but but from the perspective of father since it's father's day it's like um the reason that the cats in the cradle has this particular sort of significance is that the father does have private moments with the child and a private relationship with the child that is it that is mysterious and not fully understood by outsiders, partly because the only person who's really participating in it is the father, right? Like the child is there, but has no ability to kind of consent to it or like, um, you know, they, they don't opt in right to like being in this relationship with their dad. Sure. And um, especially, especially in the very early stages, the very, very early developmental stages when the world is sort of is sort of divided into everything that is mom and everything that is not mom. <laughs> 
Right. Like, yeah. And that like that, uh, you know, that that phase doesn't last forever or even for very long, but it's a real phase. Like and it. it uh, so like your your idea that there is like a there is like an extensive world building that sort of happens uh, and that like, uh, you know, um, that, you know, to to a certain extent, this is kind of a bulwark against, I guess, the depersonalization that comes from being relegated to the to the not mom side of the equation. But yeah. like. It's very lonely. It could be very lonely. To, but like, to, yeah, to not be the one who's in the center, right? Yeah, but that also, like, you know, I don't know. I think it's the I think it's the basis for sort of a very a very um, a, a basis for a very powerful connection, like that. That yeah. like, uh, you know, that can be really positive for both for both people uh, throughout their life, and that's that's it's sort of interesting, like to think of Will Smith sort of doing that um doing that through this doing that through the song and like the just the two of us ness of it that sort of boundary that sort of dyad is sort of formed by the you know by the necessity the necessity of him kind of uh constructing this this idea this reality and uh you know the um yeah, it's a it's a, a powerful idea. Um, well, actually, it says in the song that they that it didn't work out between him and his mom. So I guess he is a single dad in the song. Oh, uh, I guess I should re- read up on Will Smith, and I gotta remember. Maybe it's Trey Smith. Is this song about Trey Smith and not about Jaden Smith? Uh, we might have to take that to the Will Smith aficionados to to, to figure out. Uh, but the challenge of being a, a dad when the absence of a mom and, and how to kind of fill that gap in the context of what you're talking about with the sort of very binary thinking that babies and small children engage in. Uh, yeah, definitely. Very interesting stuff. Well, just um, add something, I think also on this idea of world building, mm-hmm. right? And like, there's this like very interesting exercise here about, um, you know, you, you're doing this world building, you're taking pieces of the things that you know, uh, and then extrapolating it out into, uh, uh, into trying to create some sense of what the unknowns are going to be. I want to call out these lyrics, not just because they're funny, but because they're really revealing. Um, uh, I got to study just to keep with the changing times. 101 Dalmatians on your CD-ROM. Oh, exotic! Right. <laughs> oh, wow. This is sorry. This is pre-Jaden. If there's a CD-ROM yeah. in it, this, yeah, this must be pre-Jaden. Yeah. I'm trying to pretend I know on my PC where that CD go. I'm trying to pretend I know on my PC where that CD. Go. He knows where it goes, right? Because he knows what he, he, does. he just, even just by making the reference. He, he reveals that he knows what he's talking about, and that it shows also like his limitations for the things that. Um, will come up that it will be truly alienating confounding whether it's technology or, or anything else um, he has no way of anticipating that but he's creating a world where he thinks that he can just to like provide some sense of order and, and predictability in a otherwise uh, highly unpredictable time gotcha. it's touching it's touching is what it is so, so to clarify this is about will smith's first child trey but in the video they actually include jada smith pregnant with Jaden. So this song came out when Jada was pregnant with Jaden. And so the mother of Trey was no longer in the picture. Um, so this, so it's pretty loaded, right? It's definitely pretty loaded and complex. But but yeah, I mean, it speaks to this sort of really, I mean, it's intimacy. It, and it, it's really, it's it's a really strange and, you know, it's a kind of intimacy that's hard to be prepared for. Um, and that's why the cats in the cradle thing where he's like, well, I just wasn't there. It struck me as like not credible, but it's not supposed to be credible. It's not supposed to be, uh, as you said, ripped from the headlines, right? It's supposed to be a memory um, and maybe a mournful one at that and maybe even fun from somebody else. What's another song about this that one of you guys had in the in the in the hopper that you wanted to talk about? I, I you know, uh, I'm just saying, Papa, don't preach. 
I'm in trouble deep. Papa don't preach. I've been losing sleep. But I've made up my mind. I'm keeping my baby. I'm going to keep my baby. Uh, so yeah, this is the, the sort of the Madonna song. And like, you may remember the, you may remember the music video, right? Like, which, um, I don't know. I, I recall it like having, uh, I recall it having like a black and white, like, like short film thing, but I'm, I'm scrubbing through it on YouTube now. And that's not, maybe I'm thinking of a different song that was the Madonna music video that had like a black and white, um, black and white short film, uh, sort of deal. Um, but anyway, so it's, a uh, the song Papa don't preach is about a, uh, a Madonna or a woman portrayed by Madonna. Um, you know, pleading with her father not to, I suppose what reject and sort of turn her out because she has become pregnant. Uh, and wants to, um, take up with the father of her child, uh, who says that, uh, he's going to marry me and we can raise a little family. Maybe we will be all right. It's a sacrifice. I love that. Maybe it'll be all right. Maybe it'll be all right. Six to five and pick them. Um, but that like, it's very, it's, it's very interesting how this song centers the relationship of kind of approval or disapproval of kind of like, you know, uh, welcoming in or, or throwing out, uh, between the daughter, the grown daughter and the father and not, and doesn't center the relationship between, um, this woman and her partner or, you know, this woman and kind of her idea of what the uh of what the the family uh is going to be like with her you know with her partner and her her child on the way um and 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 interesting right that it's called papa don't preach and not grandpapa don't preach (laughs) which is also uh you know i don't know which is also a possibility i mean do you guys uh, have a relationship with this song uh or are you more a devotee of the other songs on the immaculate collection (laughs) i wonder what share of is there anyone for whom their deepest relationship with a song on the immaculate collection is with papa don't preach um, I mean, I think that uh, the Madonna song that I feel most connected to is probably "Express Yourself." Um, I sing. I sing. Uh, I when I walk. Your heart. What? When I walk. When I walk Gus around the block, I uh, I sing uh, modified lyrics to "Express Yourself" uh, that are called "A Basset Hound," and that uh, <laughs> go, go into that. And I'm just telling telling Gus that I uh, I won't go for uh, second best baby. I put my puppy to the test. You got to make him have those floppy ears, uh, and then you know your dog is real. A basset hound. That's what. That's. <laughs> then that's, you know your dog is real. <laughs> okay, so so that is the father as patriarchy, uh, which is not which is sort of what we've been talking about, but not really, uh, in the sense that it, it was patriarchy in the sense that that there was an act of there was a yearning for an act of social organization wherein the child steps into a role that's defined by the father. Uh, but but we have not confronted heretofore of it being uh, patriarchal in the sense of it being uh, asymmetrical, 
right? Um, and here we have the situation where the father is a moral authority who's uh, expected to not do his job well, right? He's, he's an obstacle. Uh, he's present, but an obstacle and, uh, and a problem. And so there's kind of teen rebellion music about, you know, taking on the authority. I mean, this is about taking on the authority of the parent for yourself because you're the one becoming a parent. And, uh, and you, as, the, as my parent, uh, you know, you don't, uh, you no longer are the parental authority in the situation I am because I'm, I am the captain now, I suppose. Um, but it's also a, 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 there, there is the question of like, Papa, don't preach, but what is it that you want Papa to do? Right. I guess what support me, love me. Yeah. Well, so forgive me, not that familiar with this, with this song, um, but the line uh, immediately before one of the choruses, uh, what I need right now is some good advice, please. Okay. So like how to like, she's asking that of the dad, I think, but then immediately turns around and says, Papa, don't preach. Right. And then also, but I made up my mind and keep my baby. So does she really need good advice? Cause she's made up her mind. Is the Papa saying she should have an abortion? Cause that's a really controversial sort of song. For the time period, well, yeah, but the, we're talking about Madonna. We're talking about, uh, <laughs> you know, we're talking. She's she's dancing around flaming crucifixes and like a prayer, right? Like this is this is not a woman who's for unafraid. the first time in way too long on the Overthinking It podcast. We're talking about Madonna. <laughs> we talked about her a lot. We should just do a four hour Madonna episode just to catch up because we've missed so much. Uh, mm. But yeah, it's uh, it's basically don't scold me and morally impugn me for making you know the decision to sleep with this guy. Don't like chastise me for my my lapsed virginity, uh, right? Like, that's not the important thing right now. Um, I guess what it's uh, we can raise a little family. He says he's going to marry me. Some good advice, please. Yeah, that's a question. What is the good advice? Is it about the partner or is it about the baby? Is it like, well, here's some good advice. Uh, the myconium is very thick and dark, and it'll come out. <laughs> so at first, the baby will poop a lot, right? So the first few days, the baby is going to poop out the remnants of the blood that he's been kind of like, and it's this thick, dark substance. And then eventually, the baby's going to start to pooping out the refuse Don't go from for other dogs, baby. It's going to get a lot less frequent, and you're going to be tempted to panic because the baby maybe hasn't Got pooped in a day or two, man. especially if you're feeding the baby formula. It's okay. Once he starts metabolizing liquid meals, it's a different sort of fecal experience. And there'll be so many. A basset hound. You got to make floppy ears. Hey. Oh, sorry. I was just just focused on something else for a second. This is what the dad and the cats in the cradle song missed while he was away on the business trips and everything, right? All the diaper changing. Fun fact, by the way, is that I think our parents' generation um like some shocking percentage like you know high, strong majorities of fathers never change the diaper um and uh we've made a lot of progress since then well yeah i mean this, this is why yeah this is why like i i totally get the kind of the shock and horror at the cavalier way in which um you know the the narrator of cats in the cradle kind of like talks about his neglect of his son but but the other you know uh, on the other side like the the norms really were different like the past is another country and like uh, it really was not you know all the things that we think are important um like they they thought different things were important uh, in 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 the past um but it, you know it does like with this with all the songs that that we've been talking about it is it's interesting to me that like where whereas songs about 
mothers and about maternal love seem to be, and, and but you, you'll probably come up with a dozen counterexamples, but, but go with me on my folksy generalizations here. Um, the, the seem to be kind of mediated around tropes of abundance, uh, and the kind of like the kind of ever present quality and the kind of reliability of a mother's love. The, the, like the most extreme or an extreme example, maybe being, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody beginning with mama, I just killed a man. Right. <laughs> right. Um, the songs about, about fatherhood seem to be, uh, mediated by tropes of scarcity or like mm-hmm. seem to be negotiating a kind of scarcity, right? Uh, can you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> a scarcity of auditory. No, it's, um, <laughs> Uh, right, like a, a sort of a scarcity of approval in Papa Don't Preach, a scarcity of attention, a scarcity of sort of presence, right, a scarcity of kind of uh, affection, like, and that these seem to be the things, uh, you know, these seem to be the th- the. This seems to be the ground on which this battle is fought, you know, where artistically like this, these seem to be kind of the, the issues at play here that there is a kind of economics where, right. Whereas a, a sort of a mother's love is anti-economic, at least. So it goes in this, in this rubric I'm trying to construct, right? Like a father's love is mediated by. Uh, a give and take, uh, by a kind of exchange, by a kind of transactional quality, and, uh, very often by scarcity or absence. And that, you know, this is sort of, I mean, this is an interesting, um, you know, this is an interesting thing. Like I, I, you know, not to get too personal, but I guess like my early life was marked by divorce. And so, you know, the absence, the, the kind of the scarcity of my parents is like, it was a big feature of my, my early life, like being with one or the other and kind of not, not having them together. And we were primarily raised by our mom. So, you know, this, the absence of my dad for, for most of the time, right. Was, uh, uh, a big, a big feature of that. And yet, you know, I, I would say that I, uh, have a great dad who I have a good relationship with now. And like, uh, that, like, you know, it's, I, I don't sort of identify it as being like around, around scarcity exactly. And I wonder what it is that makes these songs, the way they are, right? Like where, where this is the form, right? That, that this paternal kind of conflict can take, you know, um, where, whereas I think that there is kind of a different cultural form that maternal, uh, conflicts can take. And they're, they're actually a lot more open to being from the point of view of the mother, um, you know, who maybe just loves too much, right? Like who's, who's running herself ragged with all the loving that she's doing of her, of her children. Um, like this, the, the, we're in a different kind of conceptual universe here. The, sorry. That's, that's the, the point I, I wanted to make. You've really been setting my synapses on fire because I want to, again, we've kind of gone question, answer, question, answer. I love this framework of songs about fatherhood or about scarcity, Right. This and and one of the fundamental scarcities is the scarcity of closeness to the child relative to the mother. Another might be the scarcity of the availability of the father to the child because of kind of past social norms or because of him dying or something happening where he's not around anymore. So so let's talk about a a uh, a an impos- a song a song about fatherhood that is about impossible abundance. Uh, Isn't she lovely by Stevie Wonder? 
Right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Great. Amazing yeah. song. Yeah. Amazing song. Another song that that actually uh, has to fill the inadequacy of its lyrics for its subject with a, an, a, a true abundance of instrumental instrumentation and arrangement. Right. Like uh, baby song, baby sounds as well have appeared in multiple of these different songs. Uh, but of course, the the the, chi, the key irony in "Isn't She Lovely" by Stevie Wonder, which is you know the lyrics you've almost certainly heard them. Isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? Isn't she precious? Less than a minute old. I never thought that love we through love we'd be making one as lovely as she. Isn't she lovely made from love? Isn't she pretty? Right. Do, 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 do. Life and love are the same. Life is Aisha, the meaning of her name. Londi, it could have not been done without you who conceived the one that is so very lovely made from love. And so this is from Stevie Wonder to, I guess, presumably his wife, although I've not been Wikipediaing everybody's familiar relationships before doing this, which I probably should have done. And, and of course, what's the, what's the key irony here, right? That uh, people think that the song is actually about um Stevie Wonder's daughter but uh people think it's about a romantic love interest. Oh, is that it? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, oh, you were going somewhere I thought it was way? that isn't she lovely, isn't she pretty? Stevie Wonder can't see. Stevie Wonder's blind. What? <laughs> Stevie Wonder can't confirm with his eyes that the baby is lovely, but he knows. Right. And it's reflected in the abundance of the music that surrounds the song. Like, he know it's it's all posed as a question. Isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? Isn't she precious? But it's a rhetorical question because we know it's true. And the music is the singing of his heart. Right. As an experience of being with this baby. He doesn't know if the baby is pretty. He knows that the baby is pretty. Right. Uh, and, and so this notion that the father is an experience of scarcity, right? But there's also this con- this concurrent experience of abundance, um, right? And, uh, and and I think that um, – and the idea here that, of course, he has to reach out to the mother in order to kind of confirm and make whole the relationship that he wants to have with the child. I think what this is is is, is it's a rebuttal, right? <laughs> this feels like a rebuttal of a lot of other songs about about fatherhood that locate fatherhood in this space of absence um, or locate it in a sort of superficial space of kind of a material admiration, right? Uh, whereas, you know, here, this isn't about a daughter who's actually attractive as a child in a creepy way, right? You know, like uh, I'm trying to think of an example of like, you know, I mean, the song that always comes to mind is like uh, Chantilly Lace, right? Where it's like, come on, baby, isn't this underage girl like really something? And it's like this song is beyond creepy and none of us should be singing it. Um, no, this is like a very sincere song. And it's it's like so sincere that he can't even make a superficial statement about the child. He only has a profound relationship. By the way, he not 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 putting the big bopper on the, <laughs> you know, not putting the big bopper on the playlist. <laughs> no, 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 we're not putting it. The big bopper was canceled by by fate well before he was canceled. <laughs> oh, dark. That's the darkest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but no, 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 no. But just the idea that like, that like as a contrast, right? Like think about just the two of us as, as I think just the two of us is heavily influenced by, isn't she lovely? Um, in, in the sort of tone and attitude and style and the sort of perspective on the relationship with the kid. But, but I think the irony here is really powerful against the kind of other framings that we've seen of fatherhood in popular song. Um, do you guys have another song you want to throw in there? I know we're kind of running, running with this, but I want to make sure we get a good playlist together. That's got a lot of no, it's we, kind of hard to top that. Yeah. Um, I just want to add as well that um, 
this song came out one or two years after Cats in the Cradle. So it does create that interesting dialogue that you set up there, Pete, between um, uh, scarcity versus abundance. I like that. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's a good way to uh it's a good way to close out. Thanks very much for listening. And uh, you know, whatever whatever your relationship with your father say, whether it's one of, of unmixed joy or whether it's one of ambivalence or uh you know, even uh even anger or sadness, we're uh, glad that you took this journey with us. Um and uh we're glad for uh you listening as we always are, as we uh continue to <laughs> we continue to move forward the best we can. Uh thanks very much. Pete and Mark for podcasting with me. We'll be back next week with more Overthinking It podcast. Till then, visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it it probably doesn't doesn't deserve. Dad. Dad. Dad.